Parlez-vous français or know anyone who does? At Focus on the Family Canada, we have a ministry dedicated to French-speaking families. Sign up for our free Focus Family magazine today to receive marriage and parenting advice grounded in biblical truth. Visit our website, focusfamille.ca, for more resources in French. That's focus, F-A-M-I-L-L-E, dot C-A. Rendez-vous sur notre site, focusfamille.ca, et abonnez-vous à notre magazine gratuit. À bientôt! Hard work has an amazing reward at the end of it, that as we grow, we model for our kids the importance of growth. And I think it's one of the most important things we can do to invest as a parent. We're not going to be a perfect parent, but we have to be a growing parent. That's Kay Yurkovich reminding moms and dads that as our children grow up, we need to be growing as well and learning how to interact and relate to them in healthy ways. Uh, you'll hear more from Kay and her husband, Mylan today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, last time we featured a very interesting conversation with the Yurkoviches about five different love styles in children and how those styles affect the ways our kids uh, behave and connect with us. And you know, it's not uncommon for parents to hit a snag every now and then with kids. Uh, it just happens. They react, you react, and you wonder what went wrong. Or maybe you've got a child whose behavior baffles you. Uh, whatever it is, Mylan K have some great insights that I know you're going to find helpful, no matter what age your children are. And if you missed the conversation last time, get the download or CD from us, or uh, you can get the Focus app and listen to the program that way. This is really great information for all parents. It is, and we'll invite you to contact us about that audio or the app and learn more about the Yurkovich's book that we're exploring today. The title is How We Love Our Kids, The Five Love Styles of Parenting. Uh, our number is 800, the letter A and the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Now, John, we mentioned last time that we recorded this conversation with Mylon and Kay a few years ago when you and I both had younger teens in the home. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I shared a story last time about a funny but frustrating parenting moment when I found uh, several empty food boxes in our pantry, and I simply wanted my boys to throw away the box when they empty it. Sounds simple, right? But no, it turned into a long discussion where they thought I was overreacting. Yeah, I could just hear how that <laughs> went. We've all been there, Jim. Every parent uh, seems to have those situations where we can't get through to our kids what we want them to know or do. And that interaction so quickly goes sideways. Right. And that's why we want to return to this conversation with the Yurkoviches uh, so they can help me and everyone listening. <laughs> uh, because bottom line, we want to help our children grow up to be more secure in their relationships with us, with others, and most importantly, with God. Uh, that's the long-term goal we're aiming for. Let's go ahead and hear part two of our conversation with Mylan and Kay Yurkovich on today's episode of Focus on the Family. At last time we talked about those um, characteristics, the avoider, the pleaser, the vacillator, the controller, the victim, and then that golden spot, I would say, close to God's heart, mm -hmm. that secure connector. And uh, that's our goal. Uh, we talked a little bit about the avoider temperament in the child because I asked the question, what does a child look like who's an avoider? Let's continue that discussion today. What does that pleaser child look like? 
Please your children uh, end up being caretakers of others. Uh, they are very hypervigilant to look at moods and and uh, look on your face. If you look sad, they're going to want to to try and help that. And so they can be over-focused on others and trying to make whatever is perhaps a bad mood in you or a problem or a difficulty, make it all go away. So you might find a a kid who's a pleaser might be a person who cracks jokes a lot, is trying to be have fun a lot, is trying to change the topic, is using diversions, and also caretaking. And so they'll they'll do stuff around the house to try and make everybody happy. And so this is how I grew up as a child, trying to be this child to compensate for uh, at times angry outbursts in my home. I would then compensate with those tools that I used to try and cope with my situation as a child growing up. Let me ask you this, because some of these attributes that we learn are actually good skills. Um, you talk about a person who ends up being a lawyer, a negotiator, something like that. They're a person that's got to read a room very uh, skillfully, and they got to know where their uh, opportunities are, how to earn the trust of somebody because of their uh, their forthrightness, whatever it might be. So not all of this, in terms of the skills you learn, are negative, but they're just part of life. Well, that's very true. I mean, avoiders are very responsible. Pleasers are very nice. You know, these are things, it's not like they're all bad. And God uses even the broken parts of us. He uses for our good and for even his glory, which Mm -hmm. is pretty amazing. I think what we're looking at here is how can we identify when a child or as a parent when we're off track and we're not really building the security we want to build, you know, how can we turn that child around for like the pleaser child, for example, they they tend to lack boundaries. One of our kids was a pleaser child and, and the other kids took advantage of him. You had four kids. We had four kids. Yeah. And I remember one of our boys is definitely a pleaser. And, you know, the other kids would just, they'd be unkind. They'd push him too far and he'd never stand up for himself. Huh. So we had to recognize that and say, you know, he's nice, but he's too nice. And so we role-played with him, and we pretended we were the friends, and we gave him some lines to say, if you treat me like that again, I'm not, I'm not going to play with you anymore. And he was so afraid to do it because he thought, well, the kids won't like me or they'll never have me back. But, you know, I remember the day he finally delivered the line, and he came home, and he said, oh, I did it. I don't know. And the next day, his friend not only played with him, but he treated him way better. Mm-hmm. That's so. an amazing thing. And, and it, what strikes me is you're trying to equip your children to live in the most healthy spot they can. Right. And uh, boy, it's tough. But even giving them the goal, here's what we're trying to hit, right. that secure attachment right. area. And these would be the attributes. I mean, I could see that in one of my boys. I could see him easily being that pleaser. In fact, I asked him that question. Um, you know, how are you doing in your friendships at school? And he says, wow, everybody likes me. Right. And that's a comment from a pleaser, right? It is. And However, it's like, I'm sorry. Well, there's there's something great about that. Everybody does like a pleaser, but the question is, is are they taking advantage of him as well? Talk about the vacillator child. The vacillator child wants your attention when you're least able to give it. <laughs> it's almost that's like... every child? Well, the vacillator <laughs> particularly, it's kind of like always a test um, you know, they, they kind of have their longing for more connection turned on high, and they're looking for moments when you'll connect with them, but then sometimes you've made them wait, so they're also mad. So they've got this push-pull inside, I want you, but oh, I'm mad because you made me wait. And what 
these vacillator kids are really tuned in to, is my parent present with me or not? And that's your grade as and a parent. They're grading you in that they, curve. They kind mm-hmm. of, they really are. And it's, you know, many times for these kids, they, they have a parent who's home, but not present. Yes. Sometimes more not present than present. So these kids are really protesting that lack of connection. And I th- one of the things we we see in these vacillator kids is they're longing for someone to sit down with them without the cell phone, without the... Um, the distractions and really be present with them. Huh, interesting. So that that busy. Let me just say the busy dad who you know work comes before everything. Even on the weekends, perhaps he's on the phone. That vacillator child's really going to have a difficult time with that father. They are. And what happens is over time they get angry and they start to protest. And these vacillator kids. They'll tell you exactly what's wrong with you and what you need to do to fix it. Uh, and huh. sometimes in a way that's very immature and not very um, very hard to swallow. So I think part of what we have to do is teach this kid how to ask for what they need and want without doing it in an unkind way. Huh. Are they asking in an unkind way just to prompt a response? They'd rather fight than have no response. So they're good button pushers. They're really good button pushers. <laughs> and and what, we, what we say in our book is, is that their behaviors are immature ways of expressing a deep need. And if we only work on correcting the behaviors and saying, well, you can't be mad, what are we doing? We're not trying to ask, what is the message that your anger is trying to tell me? Right. You're damning up the emotions. We're, we're damming up the emotions. So what, what I'm going to do with a vacillator kid, who I've had many of them in my office, is I look at them and I put everything aside and I look at them and I say, you know, you're really angry, aren't you? What made you angry? Who made you angry? Because one of the greatest reliefs to anger is the ability to vent and to get that out. And so if it's about me, if it's about somebody else, I want to not just correct the behavior. And a lot of times in in our Christian homes, it's about correcting the behavior and character and all that. And we don't stop and ask, what was driving that bus? Well, Dad, you've been so busy at work, you haven't even talked to me for two days. I miss you. Well, that's a different conversation than stop being angry and treating me. You need to treat me with respect. Yeah. Or are you supposed to honor your father and mother? I can I can whip off those kinds of retorts left and right instead of stopping and saying she's not, he's not. Hmm. I wonder what happened. Yeah. No, I mean that's wonderfully said, and I think it's unfortunate that uh, again we work so hard vocationally to hone a skill to mm-hmm. be the thing we need to be, but in this area of parenting, particularly. Um, we just kind of glide through it, and the kids glide through it. And at the end, you say goodbye when they're 18 or 19. They go off to college, and then you see them occasionally on the holidays. Um, it's unfortunate because as Christians, we need to be intentional about what we're trying to work on with God mm-hmm. to prepare that child to be a very healthy adult. And that's what's so fun about this. Let me ask you this, though. And if I'm struggling to connect with my child because they have a different attachment style from me, what can I do to understand it and begin to, um, I guess, master it so that I can be more productive in that parenting role? Well, it's important to say we didn't even get any of this until our kids were older. Yeah. Uh, You and me personally. Yes. Yes. We were just learning this. One of the first goals we made was we're going to have conversations that include feelings. 
Our and, own as well. And our own and the kids. And Kevin was in high school at mm-hmm. this point, And his stress response is to get testy and difficult to live with. When A word he, like whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like whatever or I'm not going to do that or, you know, just... That sounds oppositional. boring. Oppositional. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. So when we said, go pick these three feeling words, he said, I'm not, that's dumb psychology. I'm not doing that. And I said, well, honey, I said, I can tell you're stressed. And I said, until you give me the three words, we're not going to have the, the car keys aren't going your direction. So <laughs> That's called bribery. That's called bribery. Yeah, but it works. It's, I like leverage. That's leverage. A, yeah, yeah. Leverage. So he, it, it is a little bit more positive. I, I drew... Some circles on a page, the circle's church, the circle's friends, the circle of sports, the circle of school. Pick three feeling words for each circle. Well, as the conversation went on, he started crying. Huh. He was shocked. He didn't realize how stressed he was in all of these areas. And when we begin to list all of the things that were stressing him, he started to cry. And he said, I didn't even know I was this stressed. And I said, well, honey, I did. And I said, just remember that when you can talk about all these things and you can share the feelings and you can identify them, you learn something about yourself. And I said, do you feel better than you did an hour ago? And he said, yeah, I really do. Now, Let me ask you just for clarification if you can share these. Yeah. I don't want to be too intrusive here, but what were some of the words that he listed? Oh, gosh. Um, I remember that he had a girlfriend at the time, and they were having a lot of discord. So he chose words like um, confused, annoyed, frustrated. He had a coach that he dearly loved, but, you know, he hurt his ankle and he had an injury. So he was he listed words of uh, very frustrated in his sports and disillusioned and disappointed and just brokenhearted was one of his words. I'm brokenhearted because I can't really play like I want to play. And then in church, I remember one of the things that was really stressing him there is he was he was uh, a senior and he was having to go away to school. Uh. And uh, he was going to be leaving all his friends. And he's like, I just can't imagine having to leave my friends in a year. And And make new ones. And make new ones. And, you know, those are some of the things I remember. And I think sometimes just to sit down with your kids and say, list me everything that's a stressor right now. And I think what what we found is is that we learned to do this in our own marriage and in our our relationships. Uh, We were more open to hearing their feelings and, and pulling them out instead of just trying to fix them and make them go away. Yes, we separated whatever the incident was and trying to connect with the thoughts and the emotions of that incident before we came down with whatever the consequences were going to be. We put a gap in there. And we always wanted to know two things. What were you thinking and what were you feeling right before you hit your brother? You see? <laughs> that's not – I'm just laughing because that's it's not, not where I would go as a dad. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Let me – Cover right. your feelings before That's you right. smacked your brother. Yeah. Okay. But but here's an, here's an <laughs> illustration, and, and I've told this before, and the, the boys know this, but I said, and Kevin says, I don't want to do this. And I go, well, I'm sorry. You have to do this before you go to the ball game, before you get the keys. I need three words that you were feeling right before you hit your brother. And he goes, okay, I was frustrated. I was, I was um, oh, what else? And he's stammering and stuttering like this. And I said, well, here's a feelings word list. And he goes, um, <laughs> I felt violated. And I felt uh, duped. And I go, well, what happened? He said, you know, I was in the shower, and he took my last pair of white, clean socks I was going to wear tonight, and my brother just took them and put them on and ran off with them. 
I said, well, no wonder you were angry. No wonder you hit him. No wonder you felt violated, duped, and, and stressed. I said, we have a non you know, it's a non-tolerance policy here for hitting. But I said, you know, that tells me a little bit better. Maybe I need to talk with John also. And I said, I want you to be thinking what we're going to do about this. Oh, by the way, the door that's broken that you guys bashed into, and we got to figure out how to pay for that. Well, let's discuss that tomorrow. But I need to go talk to your brother about taking your socks. So I slowed the whole process way down. Uh, took some of the stress out of it. Which he, you know, it, it, it didn't excuse what happened. No, he still got a consequence and he still had to pay for the door. Yeah. However, he felt heard and listened to and like someone did understand the, the sequence of events and that his feelings were valid. It was how he dealt with his feelings that we needed to work on. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Hi, I'm Chris. Did you know that the Odyssey Adventure Club is now available around the world? Listeners in more than 200 countries can access every Adventures in Odyssey episode wherever they are. The club is a great way to put faith into action, too, because a portion of every membership goes directly to people sharing the love of Jesus. Now, wherever you live, from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe, you can join the club today at oaclub.org. Looking for advice on how to stay sane while you parent your children? Or some great laughs and heartfelt stories about how God works in the family? Focus on the Family invites you to join listeners from across the country as they tune into the daily broadcast with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Get the free app for your Apple, Android, or Windows mobile device and receive inspirational, godly encouragement when you need it most. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca slash mobile or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. Focus on the Family Canada wants to inspire teen girls to grow in their faith with a new and improved Brio magazine. By nearly doubling the size of each magazine, teen girls will love the fresh new design, including more articles, interviews, and daily devotions focused on a growing faith in Christ. Inspire teen girls to grow in their faith. Order your subscription today at briomagazine.ca. That's briomagazine.ca. Or call 1-800-8-FAMILY. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Um, you talk about some of the gifts you can give to your child. Talk about a couple of those and how you gave them those gifts in your own family. And what do you mean by the gift? Well, there's lots of gifts that we talk about at the end of the book, how we love our kids. Gifts that you want to give to your child is a legacy. And um, one of them is what I'm going to call the gift of vulnerability as a parent. We had our three oldest children move out of the house within a period of 18 months. Two got married, one moved away. And all of a sudden, our house was real quiet. And I started to feel triggered and anxious and depressed because I loved having this busy home. And I found that all of a sudden I was being the helicopter parent to my daughter, a a Kelly. And that's because you're a pleaser parent or a recovering pleaser. But, but, Hmm. But what was happening, I was getting triggered by the silence in my home. And the quietness, it, it just was I can was so relate to that. All right. So what I said to her one day was, I said, I need to tell you why I ask you so many questions. And I told her my life story. I told her that I was an anxious child, that quietness triggered me. And when I got triggered, I got anxious. When I got anxious, I started asking questions mm. to settle my own security. 
And what I said to her was, if you feel like I'm asking you too many questions, I want you to look at me and say, Dad, are you feeling anxious? So you gave her permission. I gave her permission. Yeah. I was vulnerable. Yeah. I shared my story, and I gave her permission to give me feedback in my life. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. And you mentioned it, but we didn't zero in on it, Kay. And, and you talked about when you first started to do this, um, your oldest son was um, in the last couple of years of high school. Yeah. Because I'm sure some parents are going, oh, man. Um, we're on our last child who's right, in high school, right. and our other two or three are in college or beyond. H- how do you come back around and maybe have some discussions with your late teen kids or maybe even your early adult children to say, okay, we got to talk this through because I may have done some things that did not help you as a parent? Oh, I love that question because I think every Christian parent should be growing enough where they can look back and have regrets about their parenting. Because uh-huh. the first one's a crash test dummy. We right. don't know yeah, what we're so doing. That's so true. <laughs> I wish we could do this you know, a couple right. times in a row. But, Sorry to all the firstborns out absolutely. there. Absolutely. Right. Yes. But how healing is it when a parent comes to you and says, oh, I just learned that feelings are important and I wish I would have known this sooner, but I'm going to make it a real point to learn how to say what I feel and I'm going to ask you how you feel and would you give me a do-over? <laughs> Would you give me a chance to just grow even now? And let's talk about what it was like for you to never be able to have feelings. That is so well said. Uh, you know, I love the title you have in some ways, uh, How We Love Our Kids. Another way to say that, though, is how to understand brokenness right. and what the Lord can do with it and uh, how to get to that better, secure place. Mm-hmm. Um, Mylon, someone in the audience is probably thinking, well, that's great for this couple. I mean, they have a counseling center. I'm just a guy that goes to work every day and comes home and tries to survive. <laughs> um, talk about that methodology and the fact that you don't have to be a counselor to apply these principles. You just need to be in tune. We started all of this as you said, when our oldest son was 14, 11, 9, and, and 1 years old, all our kids were that age, we weren't counselors. We were actually just learning this ourselves. And I think I had to start off with a decision. Am I going to try and do what God wants me to do? God tells us as a, as a body of Christ to comfort one another, encourage one another, bear one another's burdens, confess our sins to one another, pray for one another. Now, We didn't know how to do that, and I have to decide, I don't care what I do for a profession. Do I want to learn how to do that maritally and with my kids and with my friends? Secondly, the way I started that is I simply started with that feelings word list. I would say, what am I feeling today? And I would tell Kay, and I would tell the Lord what I was feeling today. Then I'd ask Kay. I'd ask my kids. So you don't look real happy right now. You look sad. You look depressed. I would reflect and hold up to them what I thought I was seeing on this little feelings word list. And I'd say, you pick a word off this list and tell me how you feel. I just want to know. So I can love you there and pray for you. God tells us to do these one another's of Scripture. It was a decision and then an action. Yes. Speak to that mom or dad who's got so much going on. Life is hectic, if you haven't noticed. We're both working. We get home. We're tired. We got to get dinner ready. And then we got to clean up. We got to do laundry. We got so much to do. To do this just sounds like an overwhelming amount of more work. You know, sometimes when you start to make a change, it is more work and it is uncomfortable because all growth is uncomfortable. Oh, but the results. 
I mean, we see such a difference between our fourth child because she got so much of this. And it's like what I see in her, even as a teenager and as a young woman and now a mom, astounds me. Yeah. So I think, you know, you have to realize that that hard work has an amazing reward at the end of it, that as we grow, we model for our kids the importance of growth. And I think it's one of the most important things we can do to invest as a parent. We're not going to be a perfect parent, but we have to be a growing parent. We have yeah. to make the time, and it can be one small change at a time. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a big, I'm going to try and do it all. Just the feelings. Just start there. John, I really appreciate that final encouragement from Kay Yurkovich, as well as all of the parenting wisdom and insights she and Mylan have shared with us over these past two days. Uh, you know, we've said this before. It's so important to get life's priorities in the right order. It's not about your career, your accomplishments, or how much money you made, or the stuff that we often give way too much attention to. Uh, when this life comes to its end, and you're on that final bed where you only have a few moments left, you're not going to care about anything else but those relationships that are most important to you, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren. That's the legacy that that you'll leave behind. And if you're feeling inadequate as a parent or facing a struggle with your children, I hope you'll contact us. Uh, that's why Focus on the Family is here. We've got lots of uh, great resources for moms and dads to do it better uh, because we want to equip you to be the best parent you can be. And we'd love to encourage you to order your resources like this book directly from Focus on the Family Canada because a part of the proceeds go right back into family ministry. It's a great investment for you and really helps Focus on the Family continue to do great ministry. Let me also mention our free Seven Traits of Effective Parenting Assessment, which is an online survey. It takes just a few minutes to fill out, and it'll help you determine what's working well in your family and point out a few areas perhaps that uh, you might make some improvements in. Learn more about all of the parenting resources we have. Just call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or donate online and get more details at focusonthefamily.ca. And John, before we close, I want to encourage our listeners to partner with us financially so that we can continue to equip and encourage parents like hopefully we've done today. Each year we hear from hundreds of thousands of moms and dads who are seeking help with a major transition in their child's life, or in some cases they're facing a significant crisis with their children. And it's only because of your faithful support through prayer and financial giving that we're here to meet those needs in a number of ways. And one of the best ways you can help is by making a monthly pledge to focus on the family. That way, uh, working together, we can be there when hurting families need us the most. And let me say thank you to the many friends who have supported Focus in the past. But if it's been a while since uh, we've heard from you, I get it. Uh, but we would really appreciate hearing from you and encourage you to partner with us today. We'd love to hear from you. And if a monthly pledge is more than you're able to afford or commit to at this time, a one-time donation will also benefit the families that we're serving together. So again, donate at focusonthefamily.ca or when you call 800, the letter A and the word family. 
Coming up next time, uh, a really amazing story about how a climb up Mount Everest transformed one couple's I get to marriage. watch my husband laugh with our boys, you know, play with them. Like, there's a very real possibility. I never would have gotten to experience that, you know. So I just see it through new eyes now. And I want to live in those little moments and know that they are so precious um, and such a gift. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back next time as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.